0: hidden rebel fortress long forgotten since the days of the Clone Wars, Commanders Michael Cohen, Matthew Krenke, and their daring crew lead a rebel cell dedicated to bringing you stories of adventure and excitement from across the galaxy. Join them for tales of heroes from the dawn of the Resistance stretching back to the Old Republic. Tales of Jedi and Sith,
1: Rebels and Imperials, technological terrors and fantastic
0: creatures. Legends so great, you won't believe them. But it's true. All of it. So what are you waiting for? Strap in and get ready to make the jump with Rebel Cells, the Star Wars Animation Podcast.
1: Hello and welcome back to Rebel Cells, the Star Wars animation podcast for the second episode of star wars resistance the triple dark i am one of your hosts michael cohen and with me as always my faithful co-pilot matt the crankster cranky
0: Woo! what's going on mike good to be back this week talking some resistance um and you know what i with these episodes it's always crazy like is this the second one is this the third uh i always get confused when they do these one hour episodes i, I think it's I, clear, yeah but.
1: imdb listed as the second episode so i'm gonna call it the second episode we're gonna go i uh, the recruit was one episode it was a two-parter but it was a but it's counted as a single episode because it premiered as one hour premiere um so yeah so this is episode two so two okay yeah.
0: good. i'm on board now got it. anything uh, that has to do with one hour episodes if it's the yeah. same time we'll count it as one god yeah all right i'm on board let's do it um yeah. Yeah, I you know what? Shoot, we talked a lot of news last week, and I was like racking my brain like, is there anything over the last week? And there really hasn't been anything. No, um,
1: it's been pretty quiet. I mean, yeah, uh, I, I, John Favreau's been just peppering us with with uh, I, little moments and such from. Uh, it's a new image. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So okay, we got so- we did get an image of the uh the weapon that's on the mandalorian's back uh which is a very clear homage to boba fett's this ties into the animation right it's a very clear homage to boba fett's uh i uh, that forked weapon that he uses in the holiday special animated sequence yeah. Yeah. so um yeah, yeah first... very cool very very cool mm-hmm.
0: yeah that was uh, that was kind of neat and and it's it'll be interesting to see if if Favreau keeps doing this, where, where he'll keep uh, teasing us with pictures and 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 the like on his Instagram or whatever throughout the making of this. Uh, so we'll see what happens uh, so far. I mean, geez, the last few weeks, we've got two huge images. I mean, yeah. the first one, obviously with the Mandalorian, that was major. major. But then, like you said, with these little weapons and whatever else that we might get, it'll be kind of cool to see. The only other thing that I, I kind of noticed was Oscar Isaac was recently quoted as saying, "As far as the filming, and this is this is not animation, but this is Mm -hmm. news in general, um, that filming of Episode Nine seems to have taken um, a different turn. To where I guess he's saying that JJ is letting them sort of improvise a little bit on the set, which is which is a little interesting because I can understand." improvising in certain comedy movies yeah. um, and maybe some certain drama movies. And, but for the star Wars universe, this is kind of an, I, I think it's kind of a new thing, sort of, I mean,
1: a little I mean, you, bit, a little
0: solo, bit. Look at solo. You got two directors that were yeah. fired because they didn't want any. improvisation. Uh, that's, they, different. Cassatt, yeah. that's different.
1: That's different. Right. right. So, and I think that, I think that, that you've just sort of, um, uh, uh, noted, the, the reason why this is happening now as opposed to on The Force Awakens um, Lawrence Kasdan is not writing episode right. 9 um, and Lawrence Kasdan is the common thread there when we yes. talk about improvisation and whether or not improvisation is allowed uh, Lawrence mm-hmm. Kasdan is very much a writer who expects that the dialogue will be delivered as written and um, mm-hmm. And and for good reason, he's a great writer, but uh, I yeah. yeah I think that actually if you were to look at JJ's other work, uh, the other films that he's directed, that um, that he is absolutely open to to that collaboration, um, and you can definitely tell from the re- working relationship that he had with Tom Cruise on Mission Impossible Three that that was a hundred percent collaborative, and um, um, yeah, I mean I I, I think that. I think that it's it's actually a good thing. Uh, I think that uh, I, the script is um, always a good uh, reminder of what we're there to do, and you know, like what direction we're going in, and that sort of thing. But uh, but at the end of the day, if there's a better way to do it on set, whether that's a better um, a better angle to shoot it from, a better a uh, piece of blocking to, to like, you know, like the actors bring their own sort of vibe to it. And I think one of the, one of the important things here is that now this is the third movie for a lot of these actors in these roles. And, uh, and look, well, I think that, uh, that, that Oscar Isaac is going to have a good understanding of the way that Poe Dameron acts and reacts in certain situations. So, you know, like I, I, I welcome that. I think that that's great. I think that that's giving them ownership of their characters. Um, and I think that JJ is the kind of director that he'll keep it on, on point. He'll keep it, he'll keep it on track where they had issues with solo reportedly, um, is that the improvisation was actually taking them away from the plot. And, um, the director's, we're not reining that in. Um, and in fact, we're kind of fueling that and, and Lawrence Kasdan and John Kasdan both sort of said, Hey, this is not, this isn't going to like, you're not going to be able to put together a star Wars movie this way. This might work for 22 jump street or, you know, uh, uh the Lego movie where you're in CG and you can just kind of have another pass at the, at the, the lip sync or whatever, you know, kind of, kind of goof with it, and and especially with animation. Animation often changes major story elements throughout production. That's a very common um, uh, thing to happen in feature film animation, especially with the bigger blockbusters like the Disney stuff, and and especially, especially since the advent of CG. Um, and uh, and Pixar is probably the worst for this, where. Movies will go through three or four iterations before they actually come out, and they'll actually go through three or four directors doing different things, and you'll end up with a mishmash, Um, like a a really great example of this is the movie Brave. It's just a total gong show because... Uh, and, and that I, I don't mind Brave. I think it's a fine movie. But in terms of like story structure and tone and pacing, it is all over the place because it it suffers from that. So I think that when you are doing a movie like Star Wars, you have to, you definitely have to be cognizant of those things. It has to be um, you have to kind of be shooting for the edit. But that said, if you're J.J. Abrams and you are a genius storyteller, I think that you have the wherewithal to keep that tracked in your mind and go like, okay, yeah, this is going to work. And, and like when you listen to J.J. talk about filmmaking, he is very much shooting for the cut, uh, like for the edit in his head as he goes and he's looking at every shot and going like, yeah, I know where that's going to be. I know what that's going to, let's try it this way. Let's do this. Let's grab this shot. Like he is very much that type of director. So I trust him. Um, I trust the performers uh, that are, that are in this film. I mean, you're talking about uh, uh, some of the biggest breakout actors of the last uh, five years. Right. I mean, Oscar Isaac is, Mm -hmm. Arguably one of the the biggest breakout actors to come out of the Force Awakens, and 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 that kind of happened all at once for him. All these movies, all at once, um, with uh, Ex Machina and uh, Inside Lewin Davis and the Force Awakens, and and some other stuff. But um, I, you know, Daisy Ridley and and John Boyega, they're they're all over the place now, and and a big part of that is their their involvement in Star Wars. But these are these are pretty grade a actors in my opinion they'll they'll be fine will they won't jj will give them enough rope to hang themselves but he'll know when to to cut the rope (laughs) you know what i mean so i yeah i it'll be fine i wouldn't be worried this isn't a solo situation this is the farthest thing from it Uh, it's it's there's no need to be worried at all
0: that's and you know what's funny is because i at first when i read that my first instinct was oh no you know like star wars yeah. really doesn't do that but then i i started to think about it and exactly what you're saying is like a oh, wait a minute it's not like they're going to be changing the story they're not letting yep. them if like that like you said it's just like hey like you said and another thing you said which was just a, uh, a great point is oscar this is the third time you kind of know this character yeah um go ahead and, and and this is the scene this is what we're doing yeah go ahead here's the lines but if you want to try something and that's all part of um, all part of directing I think is in yeah. acting it's, you try different things so at first I was like oh I don't know but then you're like no, oh, that's yeah. there's no big deal about that it's not gonna change yeah
1: and and JJ the thing you have to remember is that JJ comes from TV and TV is very much like like it's it's more difficult than film with film mm-hmm. you have a wide open canvas you can do anything you want right with tv mm. you have an established style that you have to adhere to you have very tight deadlines to get an episode out um so there's not really a lot of time to sort of goof around on set and mm. like so jj comes from that background he knows that he'll be able to keep that in check um, yeah. the other thing i'll say on this subject is that one of the most famous lines in the entire saga is an just, improvised line, and like yeah. I don't even have to tell you, like you know exactly what I'm talking about. I was
0: just gonna say that, yeah. And it's one yeah.
1: of Han Solo's best lines. I'm not even gonna say it because everybody knows what I'm talking about. That line was not in the script. There was a whole speech. It was a whole thing, and there are stories that are told about it. And oh. uh, and that's the thing is that is that um, even when you go back to A New Hope, there was a um a collaborative effort there and as much as it is george's words on the page um there are moments that you can kind of tell they they put their own signature on it right they kind of did their own thing so
0: yeah that's that's uh that's so funny that you mentioned that because you know you're you're reading my mind i think because i was like wait a minute isn't the most yeah the best lines of Star Wars and improvised lines so yeah it's it's no big deal It's yeah. it's fine there are so, t-shirts
1: at Disneyland with yeah. t-shirt sets a, a set of two t-shirts with yeah. these lines yeah. on them and it's like there you go yeah. like that's all you need to know <laughs> so it'll be fine everything will be fine we're all fine here now how are you how
0: are you yeah's it's, it's uh it's it's fine so Again, nothing really. Nothing else really hit over the last. It's only been uh, a week, so not a lot going on. So, yeah. so I want to kind of bring that up. But other than that, um, I don't know anything else before we jump in.
1: No, let's let's get into the recap. New recap intro music by Marty. So let's listen to that. Let's
0: do it. Calculate the jump, chop.
1: How is my boyfriend? Dude?
0: Maybe I can help you. I am Boba Fett. What was that? What was what?
1: The throwing and the falling. Over there.
0: Don't think about it. What? Kenobi. Ahsoka!
1: Kenobi! <laughs>
0: Hand it over, Ewok. No! No! <laughs> So you mean to tell me you were staging a rescue, not attempting to hijack a Jedi starship? You're welcome. Now it's time for the Rebel Cells episode recap. All right, here we go, Mike. Uh, this uh, this one is entitled "The Triple Dark," written by Kevin Burke and Chris Doc White, directed by Sergio Paez. Or Paez. Um, you want me to kick it off? Yeah, go for it. All right, let's do it. Uh, Kaz unpacks one of the few belongings he brought with him, his lucky trophy, which reminds him of home. Yeager interrupts and assigns Kaz his first job as a mechanic, which he struggles with mightily. Tam doesn't quite believe Kaz's story that he previously worked on Coruscant. So uh, in this second episode, Mike, uh, yeah. this Triple Dark, We uh, this episode is primarily about Kaz learning to... Who balances role as kind of a, I guess a mechanic and a, and a spy, and you know also has to lead this help with the this pirate attack. But in the beginning here, uh, just a few things. Uh, the Nemonian shuttle is one of the things that jumped out to me. That uh, something we saw what, in the Phantom Menace. Uh, that's the shuttle that he has to work on. Mm-hmm. And even BB-8 tells Kaz that, uh, hey, you know you're just a mechanic. You're not uh, you're not supposed to be doing anything else right now. So yeah. he's kind of still struggling with being a mechanic and and he wants to find out uh as much as he can about the first order that's his mission right now as part of the resistance he's part of the resistance now i almost forgot about that but uh <laughs> kaz is out of his element and he tries to cover by saying as a mechanic so there's some some comedy here during this thing but there was one thing i wanted to ask you as i watched this actually you know what i'll wait till the next episode uh, next paragraph but sure. um, um, the beginning though um basically he's just having a cover he's having a little trouble covering uh, or selling his cover story as the mechanic mm-hmm. and uh, and his play with with Tam and, and Jaeger and all that kind of thing in being beginning. so just a uh, not much going on in the beginning what would you think Mike
1: yeah um yeah I actually so I, I the first three episodes are all available right now so I've actually watched all three of them oh, okay. Um and, uh the next episode I watched them out of order by accident um, and I, uh, so I've already watched the third episode before I had watched this one so that kind of kind of uh, messed up my uh, my perspective on things I think but hmm. um I yeah I th- there's a this is a really great uh sort of um, tone I I I don't know. It's it's like a really great sort of benchmark, like a watermark for the tone of the series. Um, I think that uh, that that it does a really good job of balancing both the action and the the story, um, and uh, and it does it well in twenty two minutes. Um, it it definitely is a big improvement over the first episode, the first one hour episode, um, the recruit. Uh, in terms of pacing and sort of, you know, like, what are we trying to accomplish here? Um, like I said last week, I feel like the recruit was doing a lot of heavy lifting to try and establish the Colossus. Um, and because they did that now coming into this episode, we don't really have to do any of that work in this one. We can just kind of go about with the story. And so it focuses a lot on Kaz, a lot on his dynamic with the team. Um and, uh, and I, I don't know. I think that, that Kaz is an interesting character. I'm really interested to see how he evolves. Um, and I, I think back to what Ezra was like in the beginning and what Ahsoka was like in her first appearance. And mm. when we look at these characters, and Kaz definitely falls into this category, um, they are, look, it, it, like, you can't get away from it. You can't get away from this fact. These shows are aimed at kids, uh, and I think that the studio—not uh, the studio—that like the the—I think the Disney, right, like the the network, I should say—not the studio—has some goals in mind with each of these shows. And so, with Ahsoka, with Ezra, and with Kaz, we have three characters who are meant to be the the gateway, sort of the the. Um, the stand-in for those younger audience members. So we're talking about eight-year-olds here. like, And I think that that's the really important thing to remember. Kaz is yeah. older than both of those other characters were when they were introduced. He's supposed to be kind of like in his early 20s. Um, but uh, But we've also established in the first episode that he is kind of sheltered and he's kind of had everything handed to him. So it's gonna take him a little while to realize what it means to work for a living. and he's surrounded by characters who have ended up on the Colossus by circumstance and not because they're they've been thrown into a mission. So he's very much a fish out of water, which the kids watching the show will be. Um, and he's very much um, learning as he goes, which again, that's that is relatable for kids. So it it's, it's going to be I don't want to say rough cuz I don't know rough's not really the right word for it but it's going to be it's going to be a bit of work I think to get through the beginning of this series until the whole um, sort of resistance first order conflict can can begin to ramp up. Um, yes. and and I think that one of my biggest one of my biggest pet peeves of this show so far is that we have such a big cast and we have not spent any time with any of them yet. And, and when I say that I have flashbacks to season one of rebels where I was like, man, we're spending a lot of time worrying about this Ezra kid, but I want to (laughs) learn more about Hera and Sabine and Zeb and right. Um, So I think that we're going to be in for, that kind of a ride again. So let's give it the first five episodes at least before we start giving Kaz a hard time for, for, um, uh, cause I'm just kind of responding to online stuff. Right. Although that said, there's some pretty good responses online, um, to the character. I think that people like him, Um, but I think that I think that, that there are some of the older fans who are kind of, um, impatient they want to get right into season five of the clone wars and it's (laughs) like look come on clone wars took five years to get to you know the that that level to get to the 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 battle on mandalore and death watch and and darth maul and all that stuff that was there was a lot of work in between the movie and that happening so let's give it some time uh, let's get to know these characters. But ho- I'm ho- I'm really hoping that we can spend some time getting to know some more of these characters after these first three episodes. Because I'll tell you in the next one, we don't really spend... We get to know Jaeger a little bit better, but we don't really get to know anybody else any better. Um, mm-hmm. So, the, you know, this one kind of... We're focused on Kaz. Um, we learn a little bit more about the Colossus and the way that it works. Um, mm-hmm. But we also get a little bit about Tam and what kind of a person she is. Um, and and sort of the not putting up with uh, Kaz's nonsense and his uh, bravado, and I think that like that's that's one of the things that that's that to me, I hope they kind of shed that quickly, um, that that sort of blustery male bravado. Um, oh yeah, well you know I was trained on Coruscant, and and it's <laughs> like well yeah, dude, you're in over your head. You can't. You're gonna be able to lie your way out of this, and like let go of your pride, right? Um, Admit that these people are better at this than you, and learn from them, because I I am sure that that uh, Niku is is ready and willing to teach. Um, And you know what? He really needs to rely on BB8 a little bit more, uh, because BB8, it's great mechanic. I uh, it's he's saved the day and will save the day many more times. I, uh, uh, in, in these stories. So I, uh, yeah, he needs to kinda, he needs to kinda keep his head down. He needs to do a Yeager Yeager tells him to, he needs to keep his head down, learn, pay attention. I right? think
0: some of that, I think some of that too, that he's doing with Tam, obviously I think part of that is also, he's trying to save cover or keep his cover. Mm-hmm. Um, So he's trying to, like, oh, I know what I'm doing just because that's part of his – he's trying to keep himself secret from everybody. I think as of right now, what, Yeager's probably the only one besides BB-8 that knows exactly the reason he's there. At least that's what I can come up with. So, Um, But Yeager, I'm really intrigued about this character. Uh, He's probably someone that I'm probably most interested in right now. just to see if they give him some kind of a backstory or where he's, where he's kind of come from maybe later on, like you said, down the line. Uh, so he's, he's right now he's, I think, one of my most, uh, the characters I'm most interested in to see what mm-hmm. happens to him. So, uh, But anyway, go ahead, Mike, you want to continue?
1: Yeah, uh, Kaz fumbles his way around the market, attempting to spy on the citizens, looking for anyone associated with the First Order. He comes across Greville, the dart-playing patron at Ant-Z's Tavern, uh, who sends two thugs to chase him down. After a standoff, BB-8 comes to the rescue. So I, I, Kaz, instead of doing what he's been asked to, uh, which is to go I, I, I pick something up from acquisitions, uh, he decides that he's going to he's gonna go be a spy. And I think this is one of the, the, the most interesting parts of his character, is that he is a fish out of water in both that he is not a mechanic and he's also not a spy, oh, right? Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, it's
0: bad at that. Yes. Yeah,
1: Poe chooses him for this job because he's a pilot, and we've we don't in this episode we don't see any piloting skills whatsoever. No. Um, so yeah, I mean, like, I think I think that that's, that that's going to be interesting. I was kind of expecting each episode to be a little bit of a race. Primer sort of thing. It's like you know, like there there would be these races and and he would be participating in them. But it it, um, it actually looks like it's probably going to be a little bit different from that, where he's actually going to be. There's there's more going on than just the racing. So um, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, but uh, but he's man. The one place where I will fight anybody who comes down on this show is the animation. Um, The human characters, every once in a while, the lip sync might not be 100%. That's always been a problem with with CG animation, I find. Um, But uh, the alien characters, Greville in particular, they are so much more expressive than... Clone Wars or Rebels ever managed to be and we are like out the gate right now right like 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 we have just started and already uh they are doing circles around the actual quality of the animation whether or not you like the art style is irrelevant in this conversation I'm talking about like the performance and the 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 fluidity of the motion and just sort of the blocking of the characters—they are doing such a phenomenal job on this show. And one of the most amazing things is that they managed, with the the budget that they have, um, to create an entire fully fleshed out city in Star Wars. This. Every shot in this market looks like the Cantina or Maz's Castle or any of those types of locales that we expect from the movies. And that's not something that Rebels or Clone Wars could say in their first seasons. It took Clone Wars three or four seasons to really start to feel like. You remember when um, when we went back to... Tatooine in in season five and we finally saw Gamorrean guards and what a big deal that was that was Mm -hmm. like a standout noteworthy thing in that episode was like Mm -hmm. oh my god they finally have the Gamorreans with Jabba right because in the movie famously like there was like there were no aliens in Jabba's palace it was like three aliens and they were all copy pasted five times right um so yeah, like the the fact that they that the Colossus is is populated by this just and it's not like they're all just humans wearing masks, right like that would be really easy. like they all have humanoid bodies and that's what I felt like with rebels in season one. a lot of it was. They used a lot of the the characters like um, <clears throat> like Pondababa and and that sort of thing like the Aqualish and 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 other um, other species like that that were humanoid bodies that then had furry hands and a different head or, you know, like, like whatever. Um, but with this show, uh, Greville is, oh man, I can't remember the name of the species. If Jonah Marie is listening to this, she's going to be so mad at me. It's, Cause it's, it's the, like,
0: that's Tyrell, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Cause she loves this species. Um, and I like, like he's a, he's a little guy. Uh, and then there's the big thug guys. Uh, there are new alien species that we don't even have names for yet. Um, and alien there's, species. There, sorry. It's an alien. Yeah. Oh, okay. Alien. Yeah. Um, li- yeah, yeah. Yeah. And uh, there's, there are, there are characters from the prequel trilogy, like alien species from the prequel trilogy, like the alien, there are classic ones like Rodians and we get to see all kinds um, and then there are actually some that are, uh, uh, sequel trilogy species, like the guy with the, um, the, uh, the, the, oh, maybe that's from the next episode. I think that's from the next episode. There's a guy like cleaning floors and he's mm-hmm. that, you I think it was in, in, uh, the force awakens. There's like the big puffball with kind of like the goggles on and he's got like a little face, like, like a little microphone almost for a mouth. Um, and that guy's in there. And then there's like, there's one moment, I think it's in this episode or it's in the next one where, where Kaz is running through the hallways and there's like this really little guy walking and he kind of like hops over him, And, and I'm just like, I just want more of that. And, (laughs) uh, and I love it. I just love it because it's a fully realized, I mean, like all of the ships are unique. All of these aliens are unique. Um, They all like there are so many characters that populate this world. It feels very real right from the outset. And I think that that is I think that that's the saving grace as we establish these characters is that, okay? so these characters might not be quite um, three dimensional to us yet. Right. I'm sure that where they're going, they will be. But to us, they feel kind of flat. Yeager's always you know nagging Kaz Kaz is always shirking his responsibilities Tam is always mad at Kaz niku is always saying something weird and off putting right like like they're so far in and let's be honest we've had forty four we had sixty we just just over an hour sixty six minutes to to get familiar with these characters um but uh but they do feel kind of, kind of two-dimensional at the moment because we haven't gotten to spend any time with them. They haven't really been put through the grinder yet. But, but even in the second episode, Kaz starts to show some extra dimensions, like the fact that he's willing to put his own life on the line to save uh, Greville, even though Grevel's, I, I, I kind of treating him a little bit poorly. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and and he's uh, and he's heroic. He's definitely heroic. So there is that element that Poe mentions that thing. He's like uh, doesn't know what it is, but it's a thing and it's special. <laughs> so right. yeah, I don't know. Like I, I think that they they've done such a great job to establish the world that that it gives them a little bit of runway to get these characters up to speed, and then mm-hmm. uh, and then will we'll really have a show. I think in season two, this will everybody will be looking back at season one and going like, like, oh man, I'm so glad yeah. I gave this. Yeah, I gave this some time, right? Um, because I, cause yeah. I, do think that I do think that that we're gonna end up, uh, look, I, look, the the evidence just points to it. We're gonna end up loving these characters. Um, I just point back to Ahsoka. And how we all felt about Ahsoka when she was introduced. And now she is like one of my top 10 Star Wars characters. So like putting other characters. Like people are going to be mad at me for this. But like Lando Calrissian. I don't know if he falls in my top 10. But Mm -hmm. Ahsoka does. right? But but the animated stuff in the last few years has really shaken that up. Because you got Kanan Jarrus in there who's like in the top 5. Right, And I I had a conversation with Amanda about this, actually. Uh, We were at a a con on the weekend. Amanda, my co-host on Quiver. And she was saying, you know, I think... I don't know if I'm allowed to say this, but I think that actually I like BB-8 more than R2-D2. And I was like, yeah, I know. It's hard because they're established existing characters that we've been with forever, but... If that's how you feel, that's how you feel.
0: Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, yeah.
1: I think I like Poe Dameron more than I like Han Solo, and that's like that's a really big deal. That's crazy for a fan that's been a fan, <laughs> you know, since I was ten years old, right? Yeah, yeah. But but it's but it's true. I think that I am more obsessed with Poe Dameron than I am with Han Solo, um, and and granted, there is a lot of Han Solo in Poe Dameron, but. Poe is almost like the Han solo Luke Skywalker combination that I always wanted <laughs> you know mm. um, I, the the x-wing pilot but the the cocky I, I, you know flyboy attitude right um, mm. so yeah I don't know like like I think that people need to give themselves a little bit of permission to love these new characters as much as they love the old characters there's nothing wrong with it it's okay if if ahsoka is your favorite character that's a good thing that's that's there's nothing wrong with that and you shouldn't ever be ashamed of liking one character more than another it's not it doesn't make you more or less of a fan so so i say that to say like make a little bit of room in your hearts for some of these characters because like look Flicks and Orca, they're in there already. I love those guys. These are like two of my favorite characters in Star Wars animation. Like they are holding a spot next to Hondo, and mm-hmm. my my hope, my dream for this series is that we get a moment where Flicks and Orca interact with Hondo Onaka. and mm-hmm. uh, and 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 we can see just how great that could be.
0: Um, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. no, I, I, you know I noticed it at the beginning of this episode, and I kind of jotted it down. I was like, you know what? The beginning of it started with you know the the uh, I guess you call it an ocean, but whatever, on Castellon and and the uh, the floating um, uh, uh, what do they call it? The Colossus. Yeah. And I was like, and this thing looks, you know, and Disney's real good about this, and Lucasfilm was good about making these animated shows just feel different than your standard. Uh, animation show that's that's on WB or whatever the cartoons are on nowadays. It just feels different, and I've always appreciated that. And the, the way they, I noticed the way they had lighted the shadows on these characters in this particular series. Uh, they really pay attention to the details like that. So uh, definitely, it's something that jumped out of me, especially this episode. So um, I'll continue. Kaz owes Greville money, and the two thugs chase him down as he frantically makes his uh way through the market and trips over a basket his trophy falls out and greville notices that it's made of erodium, a very rare and valuable metal it would be more than it would more than make up what kaz owes him bb8 helps kaz escape down a supply chute to the acquisition store so you'd mentioned this um this whole sequence and it is it's kind of like kaz doing the standard pratfall things where he you know he's like he said he's a bumbling spy he he's running into poles he's backing into an ethelorian he's hiding under fruit that kind of thing is kind of like the portion of it for the for the younger kids Um, but the main thing is he owes greville he tracks him down and his it sets up the story with his um it actually already did in the beginning but his uh trophy uh again it's worth a lot of money apparently but Mm -hmm. uh, at this point he doesn't want to sacrifice it for anything. So
1: yeah. So in um, in um, in on the episode guide, I think, or maybe in the in the uh, buckets list, it it notes that a, a rhodium is actually more valuable than gold. It's 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 more rare than gold. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's it's uh, this this little trophy is worth quite a bit, but yes. uh, but but Kaz isn't willing to uh, part with it. Well, uh, let's continue. Kaz heads to Flicks and Orca's shop to pick up a part. Ultimately, he makes it to Acquisitions. He purchases the parts, and the shopkeepers note that his lucky tro- note his lucky trophy as well. Uh, Kaz isn't willing to part with it, though. Um, so yeah, everywhere he goes with this thing, everybody's like, uh, "You know, that's worth a lot of money, right?" <laughs> and and uh, I, uh, Orca actually sort of says to him, "Like, you could live pretty well." on the Colossus if you sold that <laughs> and uh, and I think that that's this is one of those dimensions to the character that it's not quite on the surface it's a little bit under the surface where he's like no like no, he never even entertains it. He never even thinks like oh maybe I should sell it um, yeah. And then what's really interesting to me is that later when it gets crushed, he doesn't like he's not like heartbroken about it. He's like, well, it saved the day. Right. Yeah. Like uh, he just kind of takes it in stride, which I think is is really interesting. But I would be curious if he goes and sells it after that because I would. But <laughs> once it's been yeah. crushed. but
0: <laughs> Yeah, that's the thing I picked up was how Orca, like you said, he was willing to give. I mean, obviously, this thing is worth a ton uh, because he's he, like you said, he's willing to give a, you, you can live on this thing for a while. You can get any part you want. So, man, this thing is definitely worth. Uh, a lot of money, so um, back in the hangar, Kaz over here is the client, Halion, contacting someone named Cragen he says they're all clear for a triple dark, shortly thereafter Halion hurries off later Kaz learns that a triple dark is a type of storm, one that provides cover for pirates looking to attack the Colossus, so obviously the Colossus is an easy target, um, especially for these pirates, and they look for these triple darks uh, these low um, floating uh, storms that are easy to hide behind it seems like uh, and attack uh, the Colossus so uh, we uh, we find out where we get the title from the Triple Dark and what mm-hmm. it, it, is, it is so uh, and then obviously you know Kaz has had uh, some suspicions about Halion and he's a Nomorian so you know it seems like the Nomorians are obviously associated with being with the Trade Federation so maybe the history and the um, you know, what they're about kind of Kaz probably knows about. So he's kind of keeping it as I am. So, um, other than that, anything else, Mike?
1: Yeah, no, I, I mean, I, I, we're trying to figure out, we've been set up sort of like with all these red herrings, right? Cause we're always looking for the first order, the first order, the first order. And it, and this kind of, it feels like maybe this should, should be connected to that. Um, but then it's kind of not, but then at the end, maybe it kind of is. So, um, yeah, it's, 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 uh, there's a, there's a mystery here and you kind of feel like Kaz is looking in the wrong spots, but, um, he might actually have good instincts and, yeah, and he sure. just needs to learn to trust them. He needs to, but he's got to figure out how to balance being a pilot, a mechanic and a spy all at once. Right?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, yeah, it's got a lot to learn. Oh yeah. Uh, here we go. Uh, we'll continue. Uh, as the storm begins, the pirates arrive, led by Kragan. Uh, Kragan. Kragan? Kragan? Kragan. The band revels in their attack as they engage the power generators and target the Colossus' fuel reserves. The Aces, protectors of the Colossus, take to the skies and battle the pirates. So here we get the explanation as to why all of the Aces' ships have weapons on them. Yeah, I
0: noticed notice that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs>
1: they are all star fighters and and I uh, in the first episode and, and sort of in all the promotional material i was like this is interesting that all of their ships have weapons how do they justify that but then here it is like the aces and this is why they get preferential treatment as well right like you, you become an ace you get you get the good stuff but you also have to protect the the colossus that's your job so you put your life on the line um and they are all all of them i right in there like there's no hesitation there's no they don't begrudge it like they are in there and they are working to save the day so um and uh and and kind of freya kind of seems like the the leader a little bit don't you think
0: yeah for sure yeah
1: um yeah i thought that that was an interesting dynamic because we didn't really hear from the other pilots the other aces so much she was kind of calling out the 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 tactics um it's kind of like a black leader or a rogue leader i uh, so yeah um it'll be interesting to see how that dynamic works with kaz who is our main character but may not necessarily be the leader when he okay. makes it into the air with the aces so
0: I think that was the biggest surprise in this episode for me. It was because I've been relatively of free on this series and to see the aces and then they, they suit up like, Oh wow. They're going out to attack. I mean,
1: mm-hmm.
0: okay. That was, that was kind of a surprise to me. And that was kind of a cool thing. Like, Oh, okay. They got some protectors here. Like you said, it's kind of like you guys are the big shots. You get, like you said, you get the, the, the penthouses, but when we get attacked, you guys are out there doing your thing and, and they actually do their thing. They're obviously great pilots. So, but hey those pirates are actually decent I mean they had a, a couple of the i think they had um uh, doze is it uh, I can't remember her name is it doze T- Toradozer?
1: dozer Toradoza. Doza?
0: Tora uh penned a little bit and the other one pinned so yeah uh, the pirates are decent too but that was a cool thing to see the the aces come out and defend um I'll uh, yeah. continue your cows and grow, uh, forced to work together, barely make it inside as the pirates, uh, attack intensi- intensifies the ACEs continue their pursuit of the pirates, but they're outnumbered. Fortunately, Kaz has an idea. So, um, they're using this triple dark, this low visibility storm as a blanket to get them in there, but it looks like they're after the fuel reserves. Uh, and basically just to trash the place, uh, I, 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 I assume that their ultimate goal is to land and, and it's not really clear on what they want. Um, but I guess it's not really important. It's just that they're attacking it and they're, well, they want something on there. They just need to get on. I think, well, I'll, t- I'll take that back. I think we kind of figure out at the end of this what they're actually doing. Right. Mm. At this point, we're like, I'm just like, okay, what are they doing? What do they really want from this thing? But anyway, um, I guess we get to the end here, Mike. You want to finish it out?
1: Yeah. Uh, back in Yeager's hangar, he and BB-8 recover Halion's comlink. It's patched into the pirates' communications. Kaz uses it to jam their signal, forcing them to retreat. The station is saved, but there are more nefarious forces at play. Kragan reports back to Captain Phasma, of the first order. And this is where you say, I, uh, yeah, they kind of, they had an objective, but even though they didn't manage to, to, uh, attain that objective, Phasma still considers it a win because now they have a, a sort of like a good understanding of their, their defenses and, uh, and, and the, the sort of the resistance that they're going to meet at this station, which yeah. Phasma and the first order want to use is basically like kind of like a staging,
0: yeah that's Um, what i that's what i got they're interested over the colossus so they can use it as some kind like you said staging access point type of thing yeah yeah
1: Yeah, and obviously i i the first order is preparing to uh i take the galaxy right as as they get closer to Starkiller base being ready and operational they're Mm -hmm. they're closer and closer to to enacting their plans so um yeah i i think that i uh, i this is where we kind of set up what what i think the the main thrust of the series will be once it gets going but we gotta mm-hmm. we have to establish these characters first so
0: yeah yeah I, I it was again this is one of those episodes where it was just it was it was good i mean it didn't blow me away like 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 i said but again this is yeah So beginning, Um, we got a long ways to go. This is introduction to new characters and it was fine. Um, One of the questions I was going to ask you is, and this is not my theory. I saw this theory and I thought it was kind of interesting and it's something that I would wanted to bring up. Um, What do you think of BB-8 actually being the spy on this station instead of cats? Um, I saw that theory going around. I thought it was an interesting theory because, you know, Poe kind of lets him go uh, with Kaz and even though Kaz is supposed to be the one you know obviously BB-8's there and I'm sure he's smart enough and maybe Poe said something to him I don't know if that's going too far for this kind of a show but I thought it was just a neat theory that definitely plausible but we'll see I mean it. I think it's
1: implied in in uh, in in what Poe says to him which is like look out for him right yeah. that yeah. Um, that BB-8 will do whatever that means to BB-8, right? And BB-8's a hero in his own right. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I think that BB is 100% there to help fulfill that, that mission. BB is a, he's a member of the, the Resistance. He's This is the thing is that and this is one of the, the things that distinguishes the, the Resistance and the Rebellion from even the New Republic or the Old Republic Uh, and especially from the Empire and the First Order, and that is that everyone who is a part of the Resistance or the Rebellion is a part of that team, and -hmm. that includes the droids. The droids are considered, especially the hero droids, like BB-8, Chopper, uh, uh, C-3PO, R2, they are considered their own entities. They're not considered. I mean, like, 3PO runs a a spy network, (laughs) of droids. (laughs) So the idea that, uh, that BB would not be sort of like playing into that um, and sort of a spy in his own right is, i mean, like, I think that that's fair to say. I don't think that like Poe is like, I'm going to send this kid and he's going to be the cover so that BB eight can get in there and do the actual spying. I think that he expects them to work together as a team. Um, Otherwise he wouldn't have said to BB eight, you know, watch his back. Right. Yeah. So, so yeah, I mean, like, I, I think that that people have, I think that people are reading too much into it. I think it's a kid show. I think you need to kind of back off a little bit and just kind of take the story at face value. I think that there are mysteries within the show, but I don't think that it's going to be some, I don't know, I just don't see there being like a big uh, uh, reveal other than the fact that. Somebody in the on the station, somebody on the Colossus is obviously working with the First Order. And I think that it'll be one of the named characters. Yes. I think that there will be some very likely suspects that are going to be red herrings. I think that... Um, I, I oh Man, I need to learn their names. I need to learn their names so bad. Uh, Steven Stanton's character, the one that's a former Imperial pilot, 100% mm-hmm. is going to be considered like a, a prime suspect once once um, Kaz gets to know that character he's gonna be like, oh this guy is obviously um, a bad guy because just look at him. but I think it's more likely that it'll be an unexpected character like um, like Captain Doza the the guy who's in charge of the the base um, right. in charge of the Colossus um, or it'll be it'll be somebody, um let's see. It'll it'll be somebody else that that we've definitely met. Um mm-hmm. uh let me see I'm trying to find this character's name because I wanna know these characters' names. Uh, Is that uh character Yeah, or Steven Stanton here. Do 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 do
0: it's uh I don't wanna say it was like captain something or uh yeah uh,
1: he's yeah. not on imdb it's not listed on imdb yet. probably because we don't have an episode with him listed yeah. just yet but um yeah i uh, i mean like i i think that uh i man we i gotta like write down all these characters names so that i can uh, <laughs> I know, right? uh learn them all but um griff, griff halloran griff halloran there you go uh griff yeah. that should be easy to remember griff like in back to the future <laughs> yeah. um yeah, I mean like I think that there will be some very obvious choices like that and, and um and Kaz will go down sort of those wrong paths and there'll be misunderstandings that lead to friendships and stuff like that. You know, it's a Star Wars story, so uh that stuff's kind of predictable. But I, I don't think that it's gonna be some crazy like like one I was sitting watching the second episode and I went, What if what if it's Yeager? What if Eager is the
0: spy? I thought too. I, I thought that too. Yeah, that's why I was kind of intri- intrigued by his character because yeah. I thought, well, maybe he could be one of those back and forth guys. So, yeah, I don't know, that could be.
1: And that would definitely be a surprise and that would be a twist, but I just don't see it. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. I, I kind of try and, like, with mysteries like that, I kind of just let it play out. I mm-hmm. try not to, I don't know, like, like. You know, like, who is Snoke? Like, yeah. well, Snoke is Snoke until we're told otherwise. Like, yeah. relax about it. Just watch the movie. Um, and <laughs> guess what? Snoke's not anybody. Uh, he is Snoke. Snoke is Snoke. That's it. Now he's dead. Uh, Snoke is Smoke now. <laughs> uh, he's he's decent. Yeah, he's uh, just incinerated. Um, yeah. But, so, uh, yeah, that's it. That That's that's the second episode. Uh, our second proper episode of uh of Star Wars resistance. It's going in a good direction. Um but yeah, like I just think like I'm impatient. Like I just wanna be at the point where we're flying X Wings against the first order and it's just, you know, like like you know, I yeah. want season finale stuff now and it's like we gotta we gotta build there. We have to learn to yeah. love these characters before we can put them in peril. But uh <laughs> Yeah. uh
0: you got we got a couple of uh notices on uh social media about the episode yeah, yeah. Uh, I can't find one, but i know there was one you had one here
1: i got yeah. one here uh this one's from fudgling at fudgelangelo uh and uh, uh they write uh Phasmagasm. loved the episode glad that kaz is growing and changing i think he's super likable even if he's goofy at times so there you go there's a char- there's a, a person out there who likes the character and uh and is interested to see where he's going um yeah, we did get we we actually while we were recording we got a pretty big uh, uh, comment over on our uh, uh, Facebook page um, from Daniel Contreras, but I didn't have time to read through this before we started, and um, and this is a really really long email, but I I I'll just read the beginning of this I. Uh, Hey, Rebel Cells, just heard your episode about the Resistance premiere. Great discussion and analysis, as always. Thank you. Uh, And he continues, I, too, was left wanting after the premiere, but for me, I look back at all three 3D-era animated premieres, Clone Wars, Rebels, and Resistance, and I find all shows' pilots to be lackluster. And not just their first episodes, but their first seasons, especially when compared to what the shows eventually became. Uh, the biggest issue all three pilots have in common is pacing, where things just dragged on unnecessarily. Star Wars, at its best, was always about efficiency of storytelling, edits that kept carrying the viewer through the film. George Lucas himself has said that edit that the editing room was where uh, he most enjoyed the filmmaking process. So, yeah, and he goes on and he talks a little bit more about that stuff. But uh, keep up the great work, Mike and, and Matt, uh, and I'm loving Cassie's uh forces of destiny recaps she's a great addition to the rebel cells family i agree yeah. with that i on a second it's... that cassie's doing a great job over there she is. um uh, but thank you for writing in to us um and uh and you know if you guys want to hit us up you can do that on all of our social media facebook.com slash rebels podcast on twitter at rebels podcast and newly minted on instagram at rebel cells um, awesome. that's sell with 1l so uh, i had a real hard time i was like do i make this do i make this at rebels podcast so that it's the same as the other ones or do i because it's a new one i can do the new thing and uh, i did a new thing so um but uh, yeah i we love to hear from you guys you can also email us rebelspodcast at gmail.com um, with your thoughts and uh, we love to hear from you so so do that do that hit us up Start a conversation. Get in there and we'll, 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 we love it. That's what we're here for. Um, next week's episode Fuel for the Fire. Kaz befriends a Sky Racer named Rucklin, who pressures him to take some rare and dangerous hyper fuel hidden in Yeager's office. Rucklin played by Elijah Wood. Um, oh, this
0: is a minute. Okay. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I uh, heard
0: about that. Okay. Yeah.
1: Cool. Um, yeah. Good episode. I mean, like, uh, I, I'm looking forward to talking about it next week. About, like I said, I've already seen it, which just means that, like, now I'm now I have to wait. I gotta wait two weeks for a new episode. But um, yeah. I'll live. I'll be fine. We'll be fine. I. But yeah, I, I, you know, we're we're off to a good start. We're humming along, uh, and uh, I can't complain. Star Wars no. is Star Wars, right? Uh, yeah. Uh, and there was some pretty cool. Starship fighting in this episode, and there's some cool stuff in the next one as well. Um, stuff to look forward to. So um, that does it for this week, yeah. though. Thank you guys for listening. As always, you can uh, stay up to date with all the latest Star Wars animation news by heading to rebelcells.com. And like I said, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram uh, at Rebel's Podcast at Rebel Cells. Um, and if you want to follow me on Twitter. Uh, and Instagram, actually, I'm at Arkwolf A R K W U L F, and uh, and Matt is at the Crankster, and that's Crankster with a K. Um, yeah. As you guys know, we're part of the Thunderquack Podcast Network. Head to thunderquack.com to check out all the other great podcasts in the network. And if you like what you hear, please consider supporting us either by heading to store.thunderquack.com to pick up some merchandise, or by heading to Patreon slash thunderquack and uh, chipping in over there. Uh, but that's it for this week's episode. Thank you guys for listening and uh, and we'll be back next week for the episode Fuel for the Fire. See you next week. See you next week.